All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Perfect Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I'm Screwhead Dan. I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect, dismember, and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 1996 supernatural comedy horror Peter Jackson, Michael J. Fox, starring, directed by, or not, produced by executive producer Robert Zemeckis, Back to the Future, uh, dude, The Frighteners. Um, so we're going to go ahead and kind of delve into that a little bit and uh, discuss that film. In the meantime, though, Andrew, how is life? How are yeah. things doing? pretty good man it's uh, you know i feel like i always say it's nice out but like today it's really nice out and yesterday was really nice Lindsay and i spent uh, the entire day tearing down our ceiling uh, in our basement uh which is like a really fun kind of tiring exercise but you know really rewarding until we you know when he stepped on a nail at one point we'd go to the emergency room but like otherwise that's no fun yeah yeah well oh, then, you know, did you find any more rats or no we didn't, we didn't no no more monsignor we didn't find any monsignor family so we we think that uh you know, the, we, we got rid of this. We murdered the rest of his family already. So, you know, he's gotcha. he's an orphan. He's going to become Batman. He'll probably come and kill us in an alleyway at some point. But Yeah, know. I was about to say that sounds like a villain origin story. So. I know. R- raised, yeah. raised by... by that's that's going to happen one day. He's going to realize, like, you're not my parents. What happened to them? <laughs> like, we killed them. <laughs> and he'll come over us at night and try to, like... I don't, I don't know what a mouse would use to kill us with. I don't know. But it's going to happen. Definitely. Sounds good. Well, I look forward to that uh, development coming on over and uh, the hijinks that you'll all get into on that front. But uh, glad to hear you're doing well. How about yourself? Uh, doing good. Doing good. Uh, my partner is currently on the West Coast attending a graduation party for a friend, so I have just been vegging out this whole weekend. It has been wonderful. It has been nothing but video games and exercise and delivery food i got this local korean fried chicken place that's fantastic <gasps> oh speaking of which yes i did go up to toronto um not this weekend but this past weekend uh to see uh two of the friends that we know very very well and that was a really fun trip so what was your highlight from the for the visit did you get to see teddy's atlas uh no we didn't get to see teddy's atlas unfortunately i messaged them but they never responded god teddy's atlas you're lucky we love you so much. Thank you for doing our <laughs> opening theme song. Um, yeah, no, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. It was really fun. Uh, we did go to a really, really good steakhouse. Um, it was very, very good. And we looked at the menu, and one of my friends, um, both... So basically, myself and another friend of mine um, went to visit a third friend, and we're all very, very close. And so then we looked at the menu, and the visiting friend and I kind of looked at each other, and we were just like, oh, shit we're going to have to pay for this because the hosting friend is going to want to pay for all of it. And it's going to be like a $250 dinner for the four of us. So we did the whole thing. We're like, I slyly slipped my card under the table. And then he said, Oh, sorry, I have diarrhea. I have to go to the bathroom. And then he came back and he's like, okay, yep, it's all paid for. Suck it. And then it was just like, no. Oh, wait, but um, yeah. you said, you said four was um, uh, Matt's yeah. uh, wife there yes oh nice yes. she was there as well so she hung out with it most of the time oh. uh, honestly i think probably the highlight of the trip too was that we went to a board game shop called shop called uh oh gosh it was really good something in ladders it was like a snakes and ladders game shop toronto it was a really clever name Ooh. 
Was it drinks and ladders? Oh, there we go. No, snakes and lattes. It was a <laughs> board game slash bar. Uh, so you would go there, you would pay for like three hours, they would sit down, you could pay for drinks or coffee or anything like that. They had a full like cocktail bar you can come on through. Uh, it was really nice. So if you ever make your way up to Toronto for everybody, I would definitely recommend checking that out. It's a good way to kind of rest your feet for an hour or two um, on that front. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just did a lot of walking around. We did the usual touristy stuff, St. Lawrence Markets, the Toronto sign, um, Old City Hall, that sort of thing. Oh, this is a good question. So uh, we were walking around the downtown area. And of course, you know, Toronto's a major city. There's a whole bunch of characters all over the place. Uh, someone came up to me and he looked up at me and he was just like, uh, hypothetical question. If I were a sleeper agent and I wanted to defect to the USA, how would you do it? And I looked at him and I'm just like, embassy? I, I would recommend going to the US embassy. And then my British friend said, I would just walk, honestly, just walk right across the border. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he leaves. So that was my Toronto crazy person. It was great. I may have started a war between Canada and the USA, but it was a good story. <laughs> that's a, that, that's interesting. Yeah, wait, definitely. Wait, so it was just a random person on the street? Were they like yep. a gimmick? Okay. We were, yeah, we were waiting at an intersection and he approached me and he asked me that question and that was the extent of our interaction. Oh, it was great. Yeah. You didn't continue that conversation later? You didn't ask him to join you for board games? Uh, no, unfortunately not, because he walked away again. And immediately after that, he put his earbuds in and just started walking away. But I totally would have played some uh, Snakes and Lattes with him. See, when you said he walked up to you on the street, I was like, oh my god, did he identify you as Dan from that famous podcast? And he was like, oh, are, are you Dan? I, I can I, I can tell it's you just by, just by your Dan. voice. And you were like, yes. It was actually the, the lead singer of Teddy's Atlas testing you because you didn't <laughs> pass the test. You do not get called back. Yes, definitely. That was it. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. Oh, uh, <laughs> man, I wish it was, though. But, you All know, right. in, in kind of unrelated news, though, um, well, I guess horror-related news, but not related to Canada news. Um, <laughs> so I, I know that you sent you sent me that link to the um, their new Resident Evil show. Um, yes, and I don't know if you want to couch that for if we if we did that kind of that more the more topical episode you want to release oh, with Doctor yeah, Strange. We're definitely gonna we're, we're definitely gonna have to go ahead and do an episode on uh, the Resident Evil series when it comes out, which I think is this summer. Yeah, June or so, July, I think. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's soon. Uh, but did 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 you want to give your first impressions? What you thought what you thought about it? About the Resident Evil trailer? Yeah. Um, it can't be any worse than Welcome to Raccoon City. How dare you? <laughs> So, like, well, did you see some of the comments about it? Like, like, like what, what is your impression based on that? Like, actually, also, did you watch the second trailer as well? I did not watch the second trailer. I did watch the first trailer, though, and honestly, it's kind of zoomed out of my head right now. I don't remember too much about it, so I would have to watch it again to kind of give you impressions on it. But what do you think about it? Like, well, that's part of the thing is the first trailer, nothing really happens. There's just a bunch yeah. of scenes of, like, people standing around, new Raccoon City, uh zombies exist that's basically it you don't really get much but the second trailer actually tells the story behind it so they actually talk about like there's a drug that's being used like it's being produced by uh what i'm assuming is gonna be a subsidiary of umbrella and it's um it's being like you know said to like you know cure depression cure all these things it's kind of you know content over medicated society and they say that i guess it uses the t-virus as a component in it um and then the trailer also shows the liquors it shows um uh, Cerberus, it's a, it shows a bunch of zombies and it shows this giant like worm monster that kind of looks like something from the video games. So I think the second show actually is a lot more promising. For some reason, okay. I guess it's unlisted. Um, 
but it's it, it's awesome. Um, so I would I would say check that out. Um, you know, again, it's still divorced from the cast. Um, but I, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like at this point in time, especially with how weird the Paul Douglas Anderson movies went and how kind of a big of a flop uh, Welcome to Raccoon City was, I kind of am a fan of this idea of just exploring Resident Evil as an like as an infection, not including our main characters. Just kind of like, you know, mm. another side story, essentially, you know, like what, what Resident Evil 7 was, another side story involving the universe of Resident Evil, but maybe not including Jill and them. Maybe they can come in later as cameos, but like, you know, don't be, don't do what they did with Paul Anderson, where you have Alice basically take over the series and make it like, you know, hitting the beats of the series at times and stealing from the video games and like kind of making agree, it, yeah. like make its own thing that maybe happens, you know, coinciding with the video games or, co- you know, like make, I, I like that idea a lot better. Um, so I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I would definitely check that out and I'm sure we're going to do an episode on it just because we're massive, massive Resident Evil fans. Uh, by the way, uh, did you see that, uh, new concept arts or screenshots from the unannounced Silent Hill game have been announced as well or have been leaked? I, I saw you post this in the discord. Uh, I, uh-huh. Do, wait, do you know anything about it? Like, do, do we have any story elements nope. involved? No. Okay. So, no, uh, so basically, this has been one of the things, like, along with a Bloodborne remaster, the gaming community has kind of been, like, teased for a long, long time now. Oh, there's going to be a new Silent Hill game for any time now, any time now, any time now. Uh, there was the whole thing with the uh, abandoned game with, I think it was, like, Blue Box Software, which was just a hilarious resolution the entire time. Uh, did you kind of keep up on that? Was that the Silent Hills game? Uh, no, no, that was way, way before. Uh, so basically this was, I don't know, sometime this year in 2022, or it might have been before, I don't know, it was sometime in the last year, um, there's this indie developer named Blue Box Studios, and they are making a new game called Abandoned, and basically, to keep a long story short, there were a few hints here and there that people were thinking, oh, this might have ties to Silent Hill, and this also might have ties to Hideo Kojima, the director of Metal Gear, and uh, he was the one that was supposed to be working on Silent Hills before that got unfortunately canceled. Um, so it was this whole big thing, and then it, as time went on, it became more and more clear that it wasn't anything. It was just this indie dev kind of hyping this up, saying, oh, yeah, we may or may not be related to Hideo Kojima or Silent Hill. Ha, 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 wink, wink. Where, in reality, they didn't have anything to do with it, and they were just kind of riding on the hype. So Damn. Yeah, but it was a huge, huge part for a long, long time. Uh, but anyway, no, what happened was someone, I think, posted to 4chan these... Or, no, not to 4chan, these... Um, uh, Twitter, these uh, Silent Hill screenshots of a game that... Um, basically apparently is in development and the reason why i believe it's legit is literally like within a few hours of them posting it their um twitter account got dmca'd by uh, konami itself uh so konami actually went ahead put in a uh takedown request and i'm assuming you know if that's legit you know that's that so yeah so it looks like there is a new Silent Hill game in the works. Hopefully it doesn't suck. Likely it will, because I don't have zero trust in Konami anymore. Uh, someone was also saying, too, I read online, and this is all complete heresy, um, or heresy, but someone said that there was a Silent Hill 2 remake being developed to bid 2 by Bloober Games, and I am tentatively excited for it, because Silent Hill 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. So, yeah. Have, have they done a remake of the first one yet? Uh, kind of. They did Shattered Memories, I yeah. think it was called, and that released on the Wii and PSP. 
that really wasn't a remake, though. That was a... They took the base premise of Harry Mason getting into a car crash when he wakes up, his daughter's missing, and he decides to explore the town of Silent Hill. Um, the basic premise was the same. However, the gameplay, the locations visited, even the characters and the general story were basically brand new. Um, so I would say that was more of a reimagining than an actual remake. Um, but it was, it, was, it, was, it was a good game in its own right. I really did enjoy that. They had a lot of really good twists in there, and they did some interesting things with it. I want them to do like an RE2 remake of that, essentially. That's what I want in my life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also, so. apparently, it's, what is it? The It was the something anniversary of Resident Evil, the remake. The 10, 20 year anniversary, maybe? Probably can't, ah. can't be the 20th. Yeah, actually, it probably is. Yeah, because I'm 30 now. Jesus Christ. Yeah, probably the 20th. <laughs> um, so uh, I know that that happened recently. I, I want them to do that, too. I, want them to, I don't want them to remake that game again, but I want them to just up the, the graphics again. Uh, that'd be because uh-huh. I think that, that game flawless. Otherwise, I just you know don't don't give us the new system. I don't want the new fighting system. I want the old classic system. But you know, just give us mm-hmm. give us some sweet sweet uh, nice graphics for that game. Yeah. Now, what I really love about Resident Evil is just how they constantly reinvent the series. There, there's something for basically everyone. Um, you know, if you want something a little bit more action focused, you've got four through six. If you want something a little bit more survival horror, you have the first three and Code Veronica. And then, you know, the first person horror, you know, seven and eight are kind of going on that, even though seven was a little bit more survival horror, eight was a little bit more action. Um, but yeah, there's just, it, it, it's, it's really interesting to see how they kind of reinvent themselves, but still kind of keep a lot of core aspects of it. So yeah, no, they, they, yeah. they've done a really good job diversifying and trying out new things. And, you know, and I think they also are pretty good at dropping things when they don't work or realizing like, oh, like, you know, unlike the movies, they're pretty good at being like, oh, you don't like this? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll dial back a bit. Uh, you know, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, you know, yep. great, great series. But um, speaking of games, though, one, one last thing before we hop into this movie that we're avoiding talking about. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> this past Friday the Thirteenth, um, Evil Dead came out. Evil Dead the game came out. Yes. Did you get and that? I actually hear it's not too. No, I didn't. But I actually hear it's pretty good. I, so I, I've only played like two matches of it, um, and I've only played like the Left for Dead stylish version, where basically you like. You have like a map, and you have to. It feels like Friday Thirteenth kind of, honestly, more than Left for Dead. I feel I hear like the Left for Dead and Dead by Daylight uh, element a lot, but maybe just not in the game mode I'm playing. But like, you basically just run around a map trying to get the pages of the Necronomicon, and then you like take down the Dark Ones and put together the Necronomicon and get like the Kendarian Dagger and stuff. Like, it's very much like a fetch quest in an open kind of map, but it, it's fun. Like, I think it might be a fun thing like, a group of friends to go around with. So I think you should get it. You should get as many people as we can to get it and play through it. Sounds good. Is it on Game Pass? I don't know. Uh, Game Pass. Usually those types of games would kind of pop up on there. Uh, no, it does not look like it. Take so, that, Game Pass. Wait a second. Wait a second. Like, oh, never mind. I was reading that wrong. For some reason, my Google searches says it's 10 bucks, but no, it's 40 I was going to say, so. that would be, uh, that'd be weird. <laughs> maybe it's uh, maybe it's the Evil Dead Hail of the King or something. Or Yeah, maybe something like that. That game was great. PS1 games. Those games were so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, sounds good. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our movie tip today, which once again is the Peter Jackson 1996 Supernatural Horror to Camera comedy, uh, The Frighteners. Um, so this is the movie that I kind of proposed forward. Um, and it's a movie I've been wanting to see again for a long, long time. And let me go ahead and give you my history behind this movie. Uh, so way, way, way back in, I think, fourth or fifth grade, um, I had a sleepover at a friend's house and we they wanted to watch the frighteners and i remember i was just like really really tired at the time and i'm just like all right i'm just gonna go ahead and sleep you guys put the movie on i'll go ahead and watch it later you know i'll watch it never basically 
Um, but I did, I fell asleep, and the only thing I remember about it is I woke up uh, near the climax of the movie when you have the little flashback sequence and you kind of see what happens and why the villains are the way they are and the catalyst that kind of made them into, well, not made them, but you get what I'm saying, the hospital scene at the very, very end. Um, and I remember that scared the shit out of me. I was just like, what the fuck is this movie? I'm only, you know, nine years old. This is ridiculous. I am really fine. And I remember I had nightmares about it for quite some time. Um, but then in high school, when I was getting back into horror, I remembered I was just like, oh yeah, The Frighteners. I remember I watched the end of that. I should probably watch the rest of the movie. Oh, hey, Michael J. Fox is in it. Uh, back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time. I'm going to go ahead and watch that just for that as well. And um, I loved it. it it's, it's, it's a supernatural comedy. The way I always describe it is it's kind of like a little bit more of Ghostbusters with an edge to it. Um, and it definitely has that 90s cheese as well. Um, it, it was a box office bomb. Like, it was did not critically, critically acclaimed very well, did not sell very well. Um, but it has developed somewhat of a cult following afterwards. And it is the very, very last movie that uh, Michael J. Fox actually act ever started before he um, started experiencing his issues with Parkinson's. So, uh, yeah, that's that. So, uh, yeah, what is your history with this movie? So, I'm not going to lie. My history is actually not really existent. Um, so, I... This was this, this kind of was one of the movies that I didn't really hear about until um, I started getting into my, I guess, kind of like deeper dive of horror phase, and it kind of just felt something I had to watch. Um, I think because of that, I don't really have the nostalgia that I think a lot of people have for this movie. Um so, like, I think I watched it maybe back in high school, maybe my freshman year. Um, and, and actually, I think the analogy, or not the analogy, but the similarity you kind of drew with it to um, Ghostbusters is really apt. Because that's one of those movies that I feel like, again, has a literally big presence out there. Um, and I think they are very mm -hmm. similar in terms of, like you said, it has that, that kind of edge to it. Um, but it's also a movie that I don't quite jive with. Like, I feel like this is one of those movies that, as you mentioned, you watched as a kid. And, like, you know, you saw it as a kid and you really kind of like, and you know, that kind of put that base in there for you. I feel like for me as an adult watching it, it's kind of like my relationship with Goonies where I never watched it when I was younger. And I guess I'm a little more critical of it than I should be. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, definitely. Um, but, about, you know, I, I think it's a fun ride, though. Um, but, yeah, and, I, and actually uh, what, this, what watching this did do for me, though, is I did go look into uh, a lot of Michael J. Fox and actually downloaded one of his, his more recent audiobooks where he uh, talks about um, basically life post uh the Frighteners and kind of working through Parkinson's and it was really interesting. So, uh, like I, I always kind of knew him as an actor and I loved him on Scrubs, which is actually, I guess his first, uh, role since Frighteners. So he went Frighteners, took hiatus because Parkinson's were really affecting him, went on kind of a binge. Um, and then, uh, the director, the, the, the showrunner of Scrubs invited him on as the, um, the OCD character. Um, and I guess he really, that was kind of his proving point. And he talks about in his book, how it was kind of the point where he proved that he could still act and he could still do this, and that he like kind of exclusively from then on chose to play characters with some sort of um, condition that he could kind of draw from or uh, you know use his Parkinson's to illustrate that condition, um, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, no, he's he's done a lot of advocacy work for Parkinson's, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, he seems like a decent enough guy. Yeah, so. <laughs> he's a great writer too. Yeah. This, the, the writing that the writing that he did for the uh, in the book is insane. Like his voice is really there, and like he read, he reads the audiobook too. So if anybody is interested, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I got it on Audible. It's like uh, it's like nine hours long. I think it's called. One second, uh, it is called No Time Like the Future, um, and oh, it's like an okay. optimist something. I don't know. I'm halfway through it right now, 
Um, but it, it's, it's a great listen, uh, and it really kind of makes you feel for him. Yeah, definitely. I'll go ahead and kind of check that out. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay, gotcha. So it, it seems like your impression of this movie is just like, it's a fun but ultimately forgettable ride. I wouldn't say forgettable, because, like, again, I, I remembered a lot of parts of it, and I like, I like a lot of the elements of it. I just feel like it doesn't mm-hmm. commit to any of them super hard. Like, the horror element's not quite there. The comedy element's not quite there. The weird action scenes. I agree, scenes, yeah. Like, I, the tone is kind of all over the place in a very Peter Jackson sort of way. You, you can kind of tell, like, he's still in his brain-dead mode of just, like, super, super gore, super, super horror. But at the same time, too, he's trying to make it a lot more family-friendly, so the tone is a little bit all over the place. It's a, it's a very unique tone. Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, like, it, it's the I think it's, it's the kid-friendliness that kind of gets me in a weird place. And, like, he also has that almost kind of Ash Williams kind of thing where, like, he's this kind of, like, quippy guy who, like, you know, he's supposed to be kind of cool as he goes around and pretends to, you know... Uh, fight ghosts in his day in his day job and his like he gets the girl and he like humiliates you know he like you know one-ups the the jockey guy he you know like it, it's it, it made him kind of a not likable character to me but not in like a like it if it wasn't michael j fox playing him i wouldn't really like the character because i think mm-hmm. michael j fox is charming and he's great um but i wouldn't i wouldn't have gotten behind him as a character otherwise like even and even with his tragic backstory I think that there would have been other ways to play the grief that he is supposed to be showing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely feel like I like this movie a lot more than you. And it definitely doesn't seem like you hated it. It just, to me, it hits a lot of right emotions that I personally value in movies like Michael J. Fox. I think it's great. It's a decently unique story. I, I, I did like how the tone was a little bit all over the place but it, it definitely has some rough edges around the whole thing. Um, it's a very unique movie, and I like it for that. And I always say I would rather have a movie be unique and not hit the mark rather than a technically well-done piece but just doesn't do anything different. Mm-hmm. And I felt that this was it, – it's pretty memorable in some aspects too. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, do you want to go ahead? Oh, go ahead. I think I was going to say what you were, were going to say, which is do you want to give a description of the movie? <laughs> Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. Hey, we've been doing this for three years. We know each other that well. Yeah, uh, so like we said, it's basically kind of like an edgier Ghostbusters. Michael J. Fox plays a um, dude named uh, Frank, um, whose wife died in a car accident uh, prior to when the movie started, but it is an important plot point for his character growth. And ever since then, um, he has the ability to see ghosts. So he basically roams around the city that he's currently in, which I don't know what city it is. Is it San Fran? I think it was San Francisco. Sounds right. Um, Yeah. So he goes around, because I think I remember an establishing shot somewhere. Anyway, he goes around this any city, um, and he um, can see ghosts. He does team up with a few ghosts, including a 1970s street gangster, whose name is Cyrus, uh, straight out of Shaft, uh, 1950s kind of like Grease nerd, uh, his name is Stewart, and a gunslinger from the Old West whose name is Judge, who is an elderly ghost. Yes, I know. And he just kind of is barely lucid most of the time, but he tries to be a lot of comic relief on that front. Um, so basically, all of them kind of roam around from place to place um, and basically con people into getting his paranormal services. So the three ghosts go on in, lift up a few beds, you know, shatter a few plates, that sort of thing, too. And then they call Michael J. Fox, who comes on in and doesn't do anything really. But And then they he 
you know, gets rid of the ghosts, and then the ghosts um, and Michael J. Fox kind of uh, get away scot-free on that front. And my question for you was this, um, and maybe I missed some aspect of this. What do the ghosts get out of this deal? Is it just the companionship or a place to live or... That's what I think it was, yeah, because I, 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 didn't, I didn't get that either. Like, I, I assumed it was just, yeah, like, they, they, they can hang out with them and they can, like, be buddies because he doesn't do anything for them, right? Like, yeah. he doesn't provide sustenance for them. He doesn't, like, unless, unless they need some kind of moral connection to stay, like, you know, there. They, they can't, you know, they won't move on as a result. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite get that. I don't. I don't quite know what um, what cements them there because everybody else we see who gets killed gets brought up there immediately, uh, mm-hmm. and like you know just boom, flies up there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was something that I was kind of had a question about. But anyway, the main conflict in this uh, plot arises when during one um, of these con man exorcisms. Uh, he sees a number engraved upon one of the uh, house owners' um, faces. And it kind of leads them into this whole conspiracy of this shadowy, cloaked, grim reaper figure roaming around the city and killing people according to the number of that on their forehead. And he goes in, tries to investigate um, the mystery behind why this is happening. And it kind of delves into uh, a deeper story from there, revolving around a serial killer who was put to death a long, long time ago and all this other stuff as well. So, Yeah. Um, so in terms of, like, the characters in this movie, we, we kind of talked about Michael J. Fox playing Frank, and, you know, he plays it really well, he's charismatic, he's fun. Uh, fun fact about this one, too, apparently whenever he tried to address the judge, uh, Michael J. Fox kept screwing up, and instead of saying judge, he always said doc, nah. like, uh, Doc Brown from Back to the Future. And there's a whole bunch of outtakes on YouTube where you can see that. And it's just like, duck! Ah, fuck, I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> it's great. That's awesome. And I was, I, yeah. I, for a while, I was, I was wondering if, if it was Doc underneath the makeup. Because every once in a while, his voice would kind of hit a, a canter very similar to him. And I would, I'd be like, oh, yeah. is, that, is that him? Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that uh, I was No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, uh, oh, God, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, there we go. Him under there. Uh, John, John Aston plays uh, the judge. So, um, who... Uh, who played Gomez in a couple Adams Family spinoffs and oh, the TV show? I could see that. I could see that. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, so, what do you think? What did you think of the ghost characters in you know in their role in the in the in the film and like you know their, their characterization? Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I, I felt they're very one notes. Like the nerd is the nerd. The gangster is you know the jive talking smooth uh, black dude from the 1970s and the judge is mostly the comic relief on that front they were definitely very one notes um they're uh, again this is we usually have spoilers in our episodes so this is going to be spoiler territory for right now uh so if you don't want to hear spoilers three two one go uh yeah i i felt their death scenes the ghost death scenes the sacrifice felt like kind of a plot contrivance at the very end like oh we got to get these guys out of the uh place but i did like the moment at the very very end where he got to see them again during the climax of the film i i I felt the ghost characters were kind of one note they were fun to watch but they're really nothing to write home about what about you yeah i felt the same thing like i when, when they first popped up again in the um in the movie you know my second watch through i i had actually forgotten about them like i knew that they were ghosts but i had forgotten that they were like their buddies and stuff and like i think it's because like they don't really do much like other than the opening and like the business he establishes with them they don't really do much in the plot other than like a couple of gimmicks um and i kind of felt like that was i feel like you know they could they could have used them better and like i wonder if just the effect was expensive or they didn't know how to write them in they want to make a more personal story 
for and it could have him. been and actually just real quick mm-hmm. um that this apparently when this movie was released it had more visual effects than any other movie that had ever been created up until this point okay so um, so that was part of up until that time so it was an 18 month period for effects work which was unheard of at the time and that was actually one of the big sources of tension between um peter jackson and the executive producers the um you know, who was actually paying and financing for the film. Um, and they basically kind of sabotaged it a little bit. Instead of releasing this movie on a Halloween weekend, they moved it up to the summer, which, of course, it bombed, which I'm not going to say that was the entirely reason why, but it was very obvious they had no faith in this film. Well, so that, yeah, and I guess that, that kind of, yeah, it just kind of, you know, it, that, 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 that makes sense then if maybe they were trying to limit the, the appearances of them. But I just said they never really established the rules for them either. So when they died, I was like, oh, yeah. they, they can die like this. And they never explained like, why these ghosts are just like normal chilling ghosts, while uh, uh-huh. Gary Busey ghost is like, can fly, can change his corporeal shape into like a giant thing that like teleports through walls and like has a scythe and can like rip heart mm-hmm. souls from people. Like, they're, they're this, there are a lot of questions that kind of were proposed by this and then were never really addressed. I think that, and I think like, that combined with uh, Michael J. Fox's treatment of them, of these souls. Yeah. Kind of, again, Michael J. Fox is kind of a dick to them the whole time. He, he really was. And at the end when they were like, hey, man, come hang out in heaven with us. I would be like, hey, man, you're a fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> he, like he didn't want them sitting in the back of his car. So he like put them in the, in the uh-huh. trunk. Like it, it seemed like, like it almost like a master slave dynamic, but with no tie of that at all. In the sense of like, they were, like you said, they weren't getting anything from him. So it was just like, why do they put up this bullshit? And apparently they can kill him if they want to, based on this other guy. Like, they can move things in the world. They can do other things. Like, why aren't they, you know, why, why are they helping him out? Why are they being a buddy? Um, yeah, the only time where they really try to explain the rules behind this as supernatural afterlife is when um, Peter, or not Peter, Ray, Ray dies, the hot-headed husband who um, Michael J. Fox cons at the very beginning of the movie and then gets killed as one of the victims. And he's kind of like the bro meathead stereotype who just doesn't know what's going on, but he's going to try his best anyway. Um, and he, they, I mean, one, for his character, they definitely laid it on way, way too thick with him. And two, there is a scene after he dies where Michael J. Fox kind of explains that, you know, oh, you go to the great beyond or whatever it is. And sometimes it takes, you know, a year or so for that to actually happen, especially if you have attachments or something like that. But even then, like, you know, there's scenes where, like, the ghosts are conjuring up machine guns out of nowhere. And it's just not established. It's very much a whatever the plot decides. Sure, we'll go with it. Yeah, well, it wouldn't have been great if they could get machine guns because apparently all you uh-huh. all you need are ghost machine guns to kill uh, the big villain of this movie, right? Because he basically killed him until he reformed there with the with yeah. that sergeant's ghost machine gun. So I feel like if you can just do that, because he, you know, that that sergeant was like he was clearly like a, a master ghost man. He could change his appearance. He could do whatever he wanted. Like that, that you know, that was a good. That was a if they, you know, if he, he could train his ghost to do that, then he would be he'd be great. He'd be set. Mm-hmm. Like maybe yeah, definitely. Maybe like the number of lives you take makes your ghost more strong, and that's why Gary Busey ghost was strong. And I'm assuming the the officer probably takes some lives. Okay, so hang on, hang on. Not Gary Busey, Jake Busey. Jake Busey. Jake Busey's Jake Busey. son. Oh yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah, he was he was the guy uh, from Contact as well, the uh, terrorist from Contact. So great actor. I'm always excited to see him whenever he pops up. <laughs> Especially in that movie, The Predator, your favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff there. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like it was kind of a little bit back and forth on that front. What did you think of the FBI agent, da- Dammers, Milton Dammers? He 
I I like him a lot, but I also like you know, I feel like he you know he was obviously intentionally over the top and dumb, but like uh-huh. so much so, and also like so much so in the backstory they give him makes him a really interesting character, but they just go with the like insane guy, like yeah. when, oh I uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, go right ahead. I was, I was going to say, like, when uh, when he reveals all the different, like, we, we, you know, they mentioned he was in a bunch of cults and fucked him up. It's like, yeah, it does. But then you see all the tattoos and all the burns and all the shit he's gone through to do his job. And, like, as he was doing that, I was like, like, yeah, this guy's crazy and fucked up. But, like, this must have been a good person. Like, this must have been a very dedicated, good officer in the beginning who, like, you know, went through all this shit to help, you know, essentially help out like this agency and like you know he wasn't he didn't even belong to a corrupt agency he was just a guy who's dealt with so much cult shit that he's very skeptical about you know a guy who can talk to ghosts <laughs> like yeah he's he's so deep undercover that it's it's kind of affected him so but i spent so many years deep undercover but it just made me feel kind of bad for him and i was like wow like i, yeah. I feel like i feel like this like this was the robert Ra- the uh, roger rabbit crazy villain but at the end i was like oh man this guy's like not like a really a bad guy he doesn't want to fuck anybody over he's trying to do his job he thinks that uh mike uh michael j fox killed like 40 people <laughs> like i mean you know and he has like evidence to prove it that he's there and michael j fox doesn't help himself with some of the comedic beats they put in there for him to be like oh i did this yeah he killed him sorry you know like i was there like he these comedic beats they put in for michael j fox from a sane person's perspective are like oh yeah this guy's a fucking killer <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Yeah, definitely. No, I loved his character. I, whereas um, Ray was a little bit over the top, and he did get very, very obnoxious and special, and he was just like, I don't understand it. I'm a ghost. I'm going to keep on doing all this stuff. Why can't this person hear me? Well, because you're a ghost, Ray. That's why. That was very established. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I really, the FBI agent, Dahmer, he was just, he chewed up the scenery every single time he was in. He was just unhinged the entire time. And when the backstory is revealed, it is pretty... You know, they're like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. He's an FBI agent that, you know, was so deep undercover, like he was investigated and abused by the Manson family. Um, you know, yeah, this makes sense why he is the way he is. I I loved that character. Yeah. I thought it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Well, I also like that in contrast with him, there was like the, you know, the town cop who was just like, hey, uh, Michael J. Fox, best buddy, come on over here. What's going on with you, man? Oh, do you see this, <laughs> this murder? And the guy's like, he killed these people. Nah, he definitely couldn't have done that. And then Michael J. Fox is like, I was there. This person was killed. He's like, but you didn't do it, obviously. You're, you're, you're good. <laughs> like, I, 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 I like that character a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see what else there. Uh, Jake Busey as the antagonist. I thought he was fantastic. I always like seeing him on there. Like, I feel bad, uh, bad for saying this, but he does have such a hateable face. How dare like, you? Just like his father. I know, I know. He's a fantastic actor, and I'm sure he's a lovely guy based on what I've heard. But just every time he pops up, he just his mannerisms, the way he kind of conducts himself, um, he's just... Yeah, he's he's really really good at appearing just kind of unsettling, um, and I like that. Honestly, I, in this movie, I kind of got Matthew Illiard vibes from the original Scream um, during the ending scene. Oh, I could uh, see just, that. Yeah, it's it's I, I I love the entire third act. It just made so much better because oh, wait, of him. Speaking of that, the yeah. girl, the girl killer, was she uh-huh. his sister, his daughter? What was she? 
No, no, just I think it was somebody uh, that he knew, maybe groomed on that front. I don't think they were related at all. Oh, for some reason I thought they were, I don't know why, for some reason I thought they were uh-huh. related. And I kept like, yes. I kept like wondering what they were related. I'm like, I, at first I thought he was her dad. And then I was like, oh, this is really sketchy if this is her dad. And then I was like, is it her brother? <laughs> bad touch, bad touch. Not that that makes it much better, but I was like, you know, it's like, I mean, the age thing going on. Like, I, I was. Stepbrother, let's murder some people, stepbrother. Like. I was really, I was like trying to figure out what their what their deal is, but okay, yeah, that makes more sense. No, that they weren't related. Okay, that's better. Yeah, no, no. The impression I got was, you know, he was obviously a serial killer. He met her at a very young age, and he basically groomed her. And not that you know she was completely innocent on her own, but there was definitely an element of she's a child being manipulated by the serial killer. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, and I I yeah. did like that that twist at the end that she was like I. I feel like the first time I watched it, I figured that out pretty quickly that she was going to be like actually fucked up because the way that she acted was so weird and the way that the, the mother like never really like flat out said what was happening. It was that kind of let me dance around saying what happened instead of actually saying it out uh-huh. outright. Um, but no, I thought that, I thought that was a nice twist. Um, and it, it was, you know, it was a nice uh, way to get uh, the female leader, whatever, I can't remember what her name was, involved as well. Yeah, Lucy was her name, and I only know that because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. So you're and cheating. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, she wasn't extremely memorable, honestly. All things considered. Well, I, I will say I like that they gave her agency and that she was like, you know, because like, like I feel like part of what I don't like about this is that it's weird because like Michael J. Fox almost gets that machismo like hunk standing with with all the with, with female characters in this movie even though he definitely isn't and doesn't do anything to deserve it because but like because uh-huh. like but but in this movie she's like the smart one he's like hey why don't i lower he's like kill me and she's like no no let me fucking lower your lower your uh body temperature until you pass out and then you can go into your ghost state and i'll fucking revive you like she was like the smart logical one and she's like i'm gonna go get this woman from the house who's living with gary Busey, and like i'm gonna get them out of here and like i'm gonna save them while he was just kind of all fucking around like i mean like mm-hmm. i feel like yeah I she like was that. almost the better character than he was um and like the more proactive character um the only again the only thing i didn't like about her as a character was the fact that she went from dating her her husband were they, were they married? Yeah, they were married. Yeah, mm-hmm. going yeah. dating your husband, who is a you know a jerk, um, but like you know like, other, like he's he's like a jerk in a time where I you know like not that like we want to explain who away his flaws, but like you you know we only see them for a couple minutes and they might have had a good marriage otherwise I don't know. But she goes from that to immediately you know grinding with uh, Michael J. Fox and Michael J. Fox, whose entire plot is that he can't go over the death of his wife, is immediately trying to fuck her, <laughs> like. There, yeah, there. I, I felt the romance angle was a little bit forced on that front, too. And, like, the other thing, too, I was thinking of is just they really don't uh, – she she does say something like, oh, it wasn't a very good marriage with this person. But I just kept thinking, well, why'd you end up with this guy in the first place? Like, you're married. What what You have a bunch of history in there. It's it's very weird how it all progressed at this point. And, like, also he was just killed in a kind of, like, horrific way. Like, it's it's just, like – it's it's weird and it's like that that scene with Michael J. Fox when he just decides to ignore the ghost and be like yo fuck you like you know like like fuck you like you know I'm gonna start talking to him kind of flirting with her now at this dinner table uh, when you know this was meant I lure I, I lured here with the false you know with the promise of getting her letting her talk to her her dead husband yeah uh, seemed like really yeah Michael J. Fox is kind yeah Michael J. Fox is kind of a scumbag in this movie yeah. honestly all things considered no he really is and they really have that up uh-huh. uh you know I, and that's. Then I think that's where my dislike of the movie kind of comes from. The sense that he's not—he's not like Bruce Campbell, over, like an Army of Darkness, like over the top jerk. 
he's just like actually a jerk <laughs> you're like oh that's that's not really appealing to me uh but yeah I don't, uh, you know but not not to say that that, that overshadows the, the you know the pre-entertaining movie that, that surrounds it mm-hmm. definitely but it, it, it is it's one of those tonal issues we mentioned before we're just like yeah it's supposed to be this kind of like fun romp through there but at the same time too you know the main character and a lot of the characters are pretty despicable at points and it's just it's very weird and do you think, so, do you think that was like a sign uh, of the times to a degree like kind of thinking about i think so yeah, yeah i think so because i mean this is like mid 90s you know pulp fiction came out three two years earlier um trying to think what other movies released in 1996 on this front it is a very 90s movie on that aspect um especially cyrus the uh black gangster ghost uh th- that definitely is some elements of that portrayal would not fly today um, that was like, a little stuff. I feel like Cyrus was one of the most level-headed characters in the fucking movie. Oh <laughs> yeah, he was great. Like he was smart, he was intelligent, he was kind. So, and I feel like he yeah. was one of the only ones, the only the only ones of the ghosts who, because I think, uh, you know, we we have Judge kind of shoots at the ghost a little bit uh, with his pistols, and then decides to go fuck a, a, a corpse, which is interesting, uh, kind of awkward and out of place. Like that, that's kind of again the tonal shift. Like what the fuck's going on? But like. The nerd guy gets kind of face, like just kind of gets cut off. But uh, I feel like he also is um, Cyrus is the one who like tried to fight, uh, you know, the Grim Reaper character, like the most. Like you know, like I'm gonna try to protect you guys. I'm gonna try to you know stall him so you guys can get out of here. I feel like which is mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, like you know, a good a good reflection on his character. Uh, and again, makes me want to know more about his character and who he was. Yeah, definitely. And again, all the ghosts are very, very one note. Yeah, and can we go back to the whole judge fucking the mummy thing? That was weird. I, I that 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 I liked nothing. I'm that. okay with that being. Yeah. <laughs> not, none of that. Yeah, that weird. at that point, right? I was just like, okay, like the way they're framing the scene makes it feel like it's a slapstick comedy sort of joke right there. But at the same time, too, just the content is just this is weird. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie. Um, yeah, there's a scene where Judge saves Michael J. Fox and then finds a mummy because they're in a museum in the particular scene. And he's just like, ooh, I like the mummy. And then he makes a bunch of lewd comments towards the mummy. And then we actually get to see like a, a shot of him. Thankfully, we don't see anything. But he is literally like pants down, humping the mummy like a dog. It's very weird. Well, and also like, how does this work? Like, so that that's the other thing, the logistics of this. So like, <laughs> is, is he putting his junk into a preserved corpse of the mummy did he like make a hole you know in the in the the wrappings and like get in there and it's like a shriveled thing or is he like is the spirit somehow trapped in there so he's actually having sex with the spirit of it like he is currently in spirit form like is is something corporeal happening Is, is is it is it all is it all spirit on spirit is he like raping her because she's restrained in there if she is a spirit like what's what is the necrophilia? Because like you, you know, like what what what's going on in that context that makes that enjoyable for him that he couldn't do with like other things? You know, like what's like if, if it's if it's just the like withered old body that he's just kind of like this withered soul has left it body, and he's just like a necrophiliac. Like okay, I guess like there's other places you can there's an entire like that's okay if he wants to get some spirit action. We know there's a entire graveyard full of spirits that are roaming the world that uh, exist. Um, so like what what is what's what's going on there? That's that's my question. I'm not touching it. I I'm not I gotta know. It. End the conversation I, right I now. I gotta know. I gotta know what's happening. <laughs> if you put that in a movie, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> that's, that's, how is how is how is this old ghost 
is having sex. I need to know. It's the world building 101. If you put a ghost humping another corpse, uh, you, you got to explain it. Exactly. It, it just, it, it ruins my immersion. That's what it is. I, I just would have loved him uh, when he popped up to be like, what a great, you know, what a great corpse that was. <laughs> or like, man, her spirit was awesome. Just like toss me a line so I can, I can figure it out. Or have her pop out for a second and be like, I was okay with that. Or like, you know, something that lets me know that he didn't. There's a level of consent established. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I want, I, you know, like it's, I, I don't, I, I'm not trying to be like, I know that there's a lot of backlash against the, like, you know, the, the woke movement and whatnot. Uh, but I just feel like there's just a lot of questions on there and none of them, and like, I know that it's a corpse either way. And it's, but I'm just kind of like, what's, I need to know. <laughs> I got, it's, it's like, do, do you ever, um, did you ever see, uh, you, you saw Remember the Titans, right? Yeah. So, um, you, you know, you know, in, um, you know, the scene when, when he, when he, uh, when Petey, uh, or, uh. Or Turk from the Scrubs is talking to Sunshine when he first comes up, and everyone basically thinks he's gay. And he's he's asking him, and he's like, and he's, he's like, you know, not that it matters, man, but like, are you? And he's like, am I what? He's like, you know, not that I really care, but you know, are you? And he's like, what, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, it doesn't matter. And he's like, well, if it doesn't matter, why are you asking? And, and Petey's like, because I need to know. And that's that's me right now. <laughs> I'm 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 Petey in Remember the Titans asking Sunshine what's going on. <laughs> I, I, I need to know. Um, so. All right, so we spent five minutes talking about this one. Uh, I'd say it's more than time to move on. Uh, what, what, uh, what other scenes really stuck out to you in this movie? Um, so again, J- Jake, 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 Billy Busey. Which Busey is this again? Jake Busey. Jake, yeah. Okay, Jake. Again, Jake Busey. Jake Busey's uh, Grim Reaper status. Again, I need to know <laughs> what's going on with him. Um, I, I, I did like that. Um, I, I liked the effect of Jake Busey's like face like so after um michael j fox uh shoots him to death with those weird rifles he finds um from uh-huh. guard guy by the way i i do want to mention this at some point but i do like the fact they actually got um oh gosh i'm having a brain fart right now uh our our lee army to show up and make a cameo in this movie um uh, apparently looking back they were like casting for this and they were just like yeah we'd like a uh, you know are the army full metal jacket type character and then they actually went ahead and they got the actual person which was really cool so i loved that cameo no that that, that was great I, I, and i yeah. feel like that that, that is that, the, the casting of this is pretty solid I'm not gonna lie um mm-hmm. though actually speaking of uh well aside so all i was gonna say about the thing is just i just really like the scene where jake Busey's on the gravestone talking to him and is like yo i fucking killed your wife you know you suck uh-huh. like i i liked i thought that was good and that was like a nice like vengeful kind of like not creepy necessarily, but raising the stakes of what's going on. Scenario. Which, um, was that scenario. the one where like the face was sliding down the gravestone? The gravestone. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that special effect. That looks so cool. But also, wait, if you can do that to Jake Busey, what about uh when when they you know slough the other guys and cut them up into pieces? Why why is he able to re- reform? Don't know. I gotta know. I also really want to know what happened to the bully guy because. You just see the thing attack him, and then you just see his his emptied corpse dropped, his like skin bag dropped on top of the car outside. I thought that was sick. Mm-hmm. That was that was awesome. Um, yeah, no. When the special effects are good, they are. I mean, they're definitely mid '90s special effects. They're not anything amazing technically, but just the art direction and the creativity beside behind some of them is pretty entertaining to watch. And some of them really, really do hold up. That gravestone included. If so. I, I, and yeah. I felt like the ghost, the ghostiness, really felt very reminiscent of Casper to me. 
Yeah, like, it's like a little more hardcore Casper. Yeah, well, I, I, I just mean in terms of like the, the, the ghost effect. It felt like it felt like the '90s had like, uh, or '90s slash '80s had like Ghostbusters, this and Casper, and they all had the same kind of effect for when somebody was a ghost. It was this like kind of blue mm-hmm. sheen around them, and they just kind of you know, were slightly see through. So it felt like a you know very. Mm-hmm. It, it, I almost like want them to be some interconnected universe, the ghost verse. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. That's what they should do. Yeah, get again. Get Michael J. Fox to appear in the new Ghostbusters movie in the in the new uh, Afterlife sequel. Oh uh-huh, yeah, guess we could do that. Like, we don't we don't, don't got a bus ghost. Right we just got to befriend the ghost, bro. And he like you know comes <laughs> in with his new his new entourage of ghost friends. Yeah, no, Venkman will be up for it definitely. So, <laughs> <laughs> though, um, yeah, definitely. The the actor who played um, crazy detective guy. Uh, did did you ever feel, like there were times where I was like I'm. Am I sure this isn't Jim Carrey? That 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 guy, like that, was the most Jim Carrey. Like, because I, I looked at pictures of the actor later, and he looks nothing like him. There's so many scenes in this where, like, I don't know if this is the actor was just really fit at the time, but the way he acted and like the mannerisms and just the way he looked, I I just could have wanted Jim Carrey the entire fucking time. Yeah, I could see that definitely, especially in a few scenes here and there, because it's very much a ham it up towards sort of a performance. Um, yeah. So then, you know, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of the ending? Um, I thought it was good in terms of, I really, really liked how they kind of jumped back and forth between the present and the past, and we got to see firsthand how the murders that we've kept referring to throughout this entire movie actually happened firsthand. I really, really liked the villains come up and set the very end. So again, spoiler alert, but um, at the very, very end, uh, Michael J. Fox is in his spectral form, and the two antagonists, uh, Jake Busey and his, uh, I don't know, underage girlfriend, I guess you could say, uh, partner in crime, they're floating on up to heaven um, because apparently, again, this is something that ghosts <laughs> do according to the rules of this universe that are never really firmly established. Um, but afterwards, the, uh, the uh, two antagonists are going back down and they're just like, haha, you get to go back up to heaven, we killed you, and we're going to go back down and we're going to keep on killing because we're evil and that's what we do. And then it's revealed that they're not going to heaven, they are apparently just triggered something and they get pulled down to hell with some really... Personally, I thought they were really cool looking special effects. Um, and that's how they finished their end. And then I also really, really like to, I just kind of want to make mention of that, Don't Fear the Reaper as a closing song was the perfect choice. I really, really like that. Oh, yeah. What did Buddy, what did you think of the ending? Was it the opening song as well? Or am I, am I wrong there? I don't believe it was, maybe, but I could be I'm wrong not, too. I think it's something else I watched recently. I, I may have just watched another really bad horror movie or something that, that used that as the, mm. as the song. Uh, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought the ending was good. I, I, now, now you made me question myself. Did did Michael J. Fox pull her spirit from her body, or did how did she die? How did um how did the evil love interest die? I don't remember. Because I, I, like, I, I know that he got like bonked on the head or something, right? And that's like no, he got shot earlier, and I think he got bonked on yeah. the head, and that's what turned I think... him ghost. Yeah, the Wikipedia summary just says he ripped in... Go- well, while he was in ghost form, he ripped her spectral form from her body. So I, I guess that makes sense because that's what Jake Busey in his Grim Reaper form was doing throughout the entire movie as well. So I'm assuming it was something similar to that. So I guess that was established. Again, it could probably be communicated a little bit clearer, but yeah. But like he, Jake Busey couldn't kill spirits. So we only saw Jake Busey killing people 
using his his hand, right? Like pulling the spirit out. So he could just walk by anybody, mm-hmm. make wonk, and like pop him out with his hand and pull him out, and just you could basically just rip a spirit out, toss it up in the air, and go up into the little uh, heaven tornado and just like get out of there, essentially. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's okay. So that seems like very dramatic for him to go around in the Grim, Grim Reaper costume when nobody sees him other than other ghosts. And like, <laughs> like if you think about it, in the context of this thing, he doesn't think other people can see him. He's marking them for some reason to kill them ahead of time, even though they have no significance to who he is as a character. Like, right? Because he's not killing people who are related to his capture, right? He's just killing random people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I feel like, that, 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 I feel like those... And like, he wants to jump up his score. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could, have, they could have added elements to that, have him be killing people put him away or something. To, you know, add a yeah. mystery element to who he is and discovering who he is, not just discovering the random, randomly, oh, this is this guy who's just a random serial killer. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, that is kind of weird that he could just pull, you know, bodies out of there. And then Michael J. Fox, I guess, is the only other ghost to decide to do that. Like, wouldn't crazy cult guy be, like, now that he's in ghost form, be like, wait a second. Get, like, anybody who kills you the second you die, you pop up as a ghost and you pull them out of their body, like, oh, right back at you. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I mean. Okay, so that I kind of, I'm going to kind of argue against because FBI, crazy FBI agents... He clearly does not believe in spectral forms throughout this entire movie. Michael J. Fox does have a lot of experience with spectral forms. I assume that Michael J. Fox can kind of understand the powers and abilities a lot more um, in that moment than FBI agent can. That's true. Well, yeah. That, that, that just mean like in concept that could happen. Um, yeah. But then, okay. Yeah. So, okay. So he grabs her, pulls her up. Um, what do you think about the wife being like, go back down and... Fuck that girl. <laughs> like, I, I, feel, I, I, feel like, I feel like that was a very stereotype. I was waiting for, I know that she appeared at the end, because you know, I'd seen it once before. I was waiting for her to help him. <laughs> like, you know, like, help with stopping this. Seeing as she was, like, seeing as all the other ghosts that we saw, right? In the graveyard, we saw all the other ghosts who were killed by her there. Or, sorry, killed by that, that couple. Remember, they all got, they were all in the graveyard. Like, oh, thanks, man. I'm glad you, you know, mm-hmm. beat up uh, James Busey. Good, good job. And I guess she decided she was the one who didn't, who moved on. <laughs> it was like, uh, I gotta know. Yeah, they do establish some ghosts stay there, some of them don't. I think they said it was like a year or something like that. But again, the serial killer was a lot longer than a year, if I remember correctly. So, well, yeah, and she, and I don't she know. was one of the later ones, right? She was later in the in the killer's uh, yeah. book mm-hmm. of kills. Um, and did we ever get an explanation as to what they just wanted to kill people, right? Like, because we know that guy is like. Oh yeah, hey jackass, going the wrong way. He's like, I guess you're number one. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, there is no, uh, there's no reason for prime or reason to it. No. no, they just they wanted to increase their high score as much as possible. So yeah, I, I did I did yeah. like that element though that uh, James Busey had like a savant memory of who uh, of different killers like on like a comic like, or a comic book character memory of like this guy got eighty five, we beat him. This guy got twelve, we beat him. Like I like yeah. I thought that was fun. <laughs> uh, it. It added, you know, it made like a realistic kind of, not realistic, I don't I have no knowledge of this, but it, you know, in, to my little understanding, made a realistic kind of like, this guy's insane <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. element to him, which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was an element that made him feel more real, so I did like that. Yeah, uh, let's see, what else can we talk about here? So uh, we talked about scenes, we talked about characters. Um, any highlights? Like, anything you just, like, overall of the movie? I Again, I think this is a very unique movie. I think it doesn't quite stick to a singular tone, but overall, there's a lot of memorable scenes in here. Um, let's see what else. Like, to me, I, I think the scene that you already highlighted a couple times is, is the highlight, which is the back-and-forth, flash-forward, flashback 
of the um, of the the murders going on and him like getting little snippets of his own memory as he like kind of uh, recalls the death of his wife. I thought those were really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wish they'd kind of used them more to build something in the story than they did. But I thought I thought those were well yeah. done and they were poignant and like you know they were a little like me tug at your heartstring moments to a degree. Mm-hmm, definitely, I, I thought that was a lot more effective just by showing than telling what happened. So, yeah, I can't remember when his wife died. Was James Busey already a ghost? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Okay. Okay. I thought. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. And uh, actually, speaking of highlights, James Busey's hair. The fuck was going on? Was, yes. Was, were those the burn marks from from the electric chair? Is that what's going on with his head? Was that what that was? Was that was that a halo burn from the the the, the, the wet electric hair chair? Ooh, thing? I didn't even think about that. Is that without? That... It could have been. Yeah, it seemed like a really interesting hair choice. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. I really that that's my head canon now. Mm. I think that's really cool. Okay. Well, okay. Good. All right. <laughs> that that honestly that just came to me. I didn't. I like as I, as I as as I posed the question to you about the hair, I was like, oh, that must be what it is. Because otherwise, it was <laughs> some weird, really weird Charlie Brown fucking hair going on there. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. All right, sounds good. Well, any final thoughts on The Frighteners then? Um, overall, personally, my thoughts are it, it, it's definitely a movie worth seeing. It is very uneven at a certain points, especially with the tone. Like I said, you know, you'll be, there's a part that's, uh, you know, decently gory, and then you see a senile cowboy ghost hump a mummy and it's just it's it's very weird and the way it's presented is kind of like in this slapstick family friendly sort of way um but overall i think it's a unique movie i think the performances are mostly fantastic the plot itself is pretty entertaining and it it definitely could do worse it's it's very unique in that regard what do you think about it yeah no i'm I'm the same boat would you recommend it like like to me like yeah i definitely recommend it i think it's definitely worth a watch i think it's just one of those movies that i mean we don't know if it needs re-watching often like i think if you remember the basic plot you're not going to be surprised or like anything you know by it but like you know it's a fun ride I, and, I, and i like it as like a on the cusp of like i'm trying to think like it's, it's like a gremlins movie where or, and the like ghostbusters where like if your kid's kind of into horror and you don't want to like show him friday the 13th yet you could show him this and it's you know there's not much actual blood there yet so it's a, it's like a it's a it is a solid pg-13 movie um yeah and like i i respect it for that and and you know again like like we both mentioned it's michael j fox's last uh movie before he took a break uh, from parkinson's um and i i will say in his autobiography he he mentions uh his body being a gyroscope and like trying to stay up and trying to not move and kind of like in like and watching this movie, if this is the last movie he kind of made when he kind of got his diagnosis, you can really kind of, like, if you think about that as you're watching it, it's interesting because you can see him kind of, like, he never really does stop moving. He's always kind of, like, wiggling a bit. And it, and like and he mm-hmm. mentions that he uses the word gyroscope to describe his body. And I really kind of see it. Um, and it's it's and it's interesting and also, like, it's uh, a, a testament to, like, if he was fighting that during this movie, like... Uh, it's it's it, you know a, a nice testament to his like commitment as an actor and like what he did because it's mm-hmm. you at least based on what he said describes in the book I feel like I can see some of the behaviors he's talking about um, and not knowing that I would have just assumed that it was a character quirk um, so it, you know I, I, as somebody as he later describes using utilizing his um, utilizing Parkinson's in his acting I think it, he was already kind of doing it to a degree and it's kind of you know testament testament to his character and his 
acting ability, I guess, prior to that diagnosis. Gotcha. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now I'll have to check that book out. All right. Well, uh, and uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, once again, we are Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. Thank you so much to our opening theme song. That is Teddy's Atlas with the song Horror Movie Story. You can get them off the album Children of the Corn. Uh, they are good, good Canadian boys, and they live in a good, good country that I visited two weeks ago. Uh, any final thoughts, Andrew? Huh? Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, next, uh, next movie, we are going to do the... Uh, 2000 Japanese film Battle Royale, correct? Yes, and but then before that, we're going to also release uh, our second edition of Primitive Screwheads Don't Talk Horror Movies, uh, a, a famed episode from three years ago now, <laughs> I, I want to say, when we did our Spider-Man No Way, uh, not No Way Home, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home episode. Far From Home. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, Multiverse of Madness, which I guess actually is horror-related, so maybe it isn't a Primitive Screwheads Don't Talk Horror I guess that it. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely horror adjacent. It's a very Sam Raimi, which, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. But, uh, but that'll probably come out in between, right? That'll come out before. Uh... Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, we'll probably record that this week, so you'll probably see that within a week of release of this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening and stay groovy. Bye. <laughs>